Welcome to Redeemer this morning. It's good to be in God's house on such a beautiful uh, day. In the New Testament book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul says to us, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. In the Greek New Testament, that word simply uh, is where we get the word mimic from. And it's used in a continual sense in this verse. It's not a once in a lifetime thing. It's not a once a month, once a week thing. It's an every single second of every day thing. We are called to imitate our heavenly father just like a child may imitate an earthly father. So today we gather here in worship to praise God, the God who loves us and gives generously to us and provides all that we need. And, but even more than that, I invite you to take up the challenge to be imitators of our heavenly father. Will you join me in a moment of prayer? Lord, your word tells us that uh, you so love the world that you gave, you gave everything, your only son, so that we would not perish but have everlasting life. You are a generous God and you want to bless us and give us the good things, but the enemy of our souls fills us with selfishness and envy and pride and creates a taker mentality in us. Teach us this morning from your word how we might stand in the place of blessing so that we will experience all the good things that you desire for us and then in turn be able to bless your people both here and around the world through our generosity. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Again, we are so pleased that you've joined us for worship this morning. I don't know about you, but I missed church last Sunday. A few days ago, I was visiting my 92-year-old mother who was in an assisted living in Grand Rapids, and I thanked her for taking us to church as kids and uh, almost every time the doors were open, my brothers and I were in church. And uh, I, that, I think that instilled in me a love for the church and the house of God. And, and a Sunday like last week gave us every good reason to cancel services and make sure that our congregation was safe on a very uh, slippery morning. But I, I wandered around most of the day feeling a little lost without being here with you. So it's been part of my life so long, and uh, I'm glad that we're able to be back together today. And trust that God will touch your heart in a very special way this morning. Now, in case you are newer here to Redeemer or a guest with us today, let me just explain a little bit what's happening this weekend and the next two weekends, because they're just a little bit different than the rest of the year. Each spring, we spend a few weeks after Easter teaching about what the Bible says about managing our financial resources. In preparation for asking those of you who are members of Redeemer and regular attenders to complete a commitment card in a couple of weeks that will indicate your support for this ministry over the course of the next year. The question that I hope that you will be praying about during the coming weeks is what would our life be like if we just truly let Jesus live through us, both individually and as a congregation? And if we were to fully obey God, what would that look like, both in terms of our financial giving and every other aspect of our life? Now, if you're newer here to Redeemer, let me put your mind at ease and no one is going to come and twist your arm and ask you to give to this church. That's just simply not our style. But we do teach what the Bible talks about in terms of a lifestyle of a Christ follower and how giving is one of the spiritual disciplines. And we believe it's the door that opens the blessing of God in our life. So we serve a God who uh, sees and understands the mess that this world is in. And yet, as you will hear me say in a variety of different ways, 
We serve a God who makes things happen for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. This church has no other sources of income except the generous giving of those who are part of this congregation who worship here and have your kids in our kids' programs or our youth programs and, and uh, support the ministry that we have here together. Next week, we'll offer you a few more specifics about what uh, that looks like for us uh, here at Redeemer. But in your worship folder today, I just want to highlight the Celebration Brunch Reservation Card. And I want you to, to invite you to come and have breakfast with us on Sunday, May 6th, and that's just two weeks away. Uh, if, you're, uh, if you've been here to Redeemer before, you know we do this every year. If you're newer, let me just invite you to look. We have two seating times. We invite you to circle one of those two times, and then how many you might have with you. Um, and that just helps us to be planning and reserving a spot for you, but we want you to come. This is just our way of saying thank you uh, to you for being part of this ministry and supporting it throughout the year. Uh, we don't use the opportunity to raise money at the breakfast or play other tricks on you. It's just our opportunity to fellowship with our congregation, maybe people that you don't normally worship with at the time you worship, um, but come and have breakfast on us, and I'll say a little bit more about that later. But if you want to do that, you can certainly fill out the card and drop it in the offering plate uh, today as well. Pray with me, would you? <clears throat> Father in heaven, may your presence uh, be so real to us today that our lives will be brought into harmony with your will and your purposes. God, make us instruments of your great love so that we can bring help and hope to others, both in this place and in all the places where you place us. Open our hearts and minds today across and across the next few weeks to hear your call to be good managers of all that you've given to us. And may the truth of your word fill us with faith and free us to walk in obedience with you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in 2001, my friend Mark called me one day and invited me to breakfast. And he wanted to talk to me about the plans that we had begun to formulate as a leadership team that would eventually become the additions to this building that we know today as the children's ministry area and the student center and the gym. And Mark was excited about the possibilities of expanding this facility and what it would mean for this congregation to reach more people for Jesus Christ. He also wanted to tell me about a new book that had just come out, and I'm sure that some of you have read it or heard about it at the time. It was called The Prayer of Jabez by Bruce Wilkinson. It became an international bestseller uh, shortly after it came out in 2000. In case you're not aware of the biblical story, let me give you just a little bit of background. The Prayer of Jabez comes from the Old Testament scriptures. In a section of First Chronicles, the fourth uh, chapter, it talks about the descendants of Judah, and we read these words. There was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez, which means distress or pain, because his birth had been so painful. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. Now the Bible says that he was an honorable man, more honorable than the rest of his family. We're not, we're not sure exactly what that means, but we 
do find Jabez buried in a long list of genealogies that goes on for nine chapters in the book of First Chronicles. In fact, you're so bored by the time you reach Jabez in chapter 4 that you almost skip over him. But he's there like a shining star in this long list of anonymous characters. And it's significant that what Jabez is remembered for is not some outstanding achievement, but for a prayer. He did not win great battles or build great buildings. He simply prayed a prayer. And out of, but out of all the people in this lengthy list of characters, he alone is lifted up because of the prayer that he prayed. And so the question is, why, what is so unusual about this prayer and why have preachers been talking about it for centuries? Well, the prayer is composed of four parts. First, Jabez asked God to bless him. Second, he asked God to enlarge his territory or increase his responsibility. Third, he prays that God will be with him and stay close to him. And then lastly, Jabez asked that God keep him from harm so that he will be free from pain. So why is any of this important? Well, the prayer of Jabez reveals for me that Jabez understands what many people do not understand, that there is only one God and that he should be the center of our life and work. But more than that, this God wants to bless our life, but we must first make the choice to invite God into our life and ask for his blessing. Jabez wants to succeed and increase his sphere of influence, and so he prays for that to happen. Now, the specific sphere of influence that any of us has is not ultimately important. What is important is that when we want to reach for our goals and our accomplishments, we have God by our side. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. See, it's critical to understand and practice this in close relationship with God. It is equally important that we stay close to God and rely on his continual support and guidance throughout our life. And Jabez clearly understands that. And he knows and prays specifically to the one who can protect him from evil and pain, and that's God. At the end of the verse, it's clear that God approved of this faithful prayer and says that God granted it. So why do I bring this up and what does this story have to do with us today? We're in the first week of our annual stewardship emphasis. As I said, and each year about this time, we ask our congregation to share in funding the ministry that we have together here at Redeemer. In the fall of last year, we witnessed God do what seemed to many people the impossible. This congregation raised somewhere north of $950,000 in cash on one weekend in October to nearly pay off an indebtedness of just under $1.1 million on this facility. And in the process of all of that planning and preparation that went into that day last fall, we had people asking, what's next for Redeemer Church when we pay off this debt? Where is God, what's God leading us to do in the future? And one of the things that I've appreciated about this congregation in the 30 years that I've been here is that our leadership folks have been people who have been visionary. We've not been content with the status quo. We've been more concerned about building the kingdom of God, about building, uh, making an impact in this community, and seeing more people get connected to Jesus Christ than we have about our own wants and desires. 
So in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to try to answer what I think God is calling us to do next and how you can have a part in expanding our spiritual territory. The prayer of Jabez is a great reminder that every one of us struggles with choosing whether we are going to rely on ourself or whether we're going to rely on God. And whether you're a focused Christ follower or if you're just here searching to find out more about God, life is a growing process. However, it's very clear from the Bible that God is faithful in carrying out uh, and caring for those who constantly and faithfully seek him. Jabez sets a great example of how God wants everyone to come to him through constant and passionate prayer. And God's desire is ultimately to bless our life. And this, there's a phrase that I've heard expressed in slightly different ways by different people, but it goes like this. Attempt something large enough that failure is guaranteed unless God steps in. I like that. Attempt something large enough that failure is guaranteed unless God steps in. Now let's go back to Jabez for a moment. We read that he prayed for God to bless him. He sought God's blessing on his life. He was not worried about being selfish. He wanted God's best and he believed that God wanted to give it to him. He remembered, I'm sure, his ancestor Abraham when the Lord said to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Jabez sought the blessing of God so that he might be a blessing to the world. See, the Bible tells us that the whole reason for our existence is to be a blessing to God and a blessing to the world. That's it, you are not here for you. The world does not revolve around you. The whole pro uh, purpose for our existence is to be a blessing to God and a blessing to the world. And there's nothing wrong with praying that God, for God to bless you if it's for the purposes of being a blessing to God and to the world. It's not wrong to pray for wealth if you want to bless people with your material blessings. If you want to have more so that you can give more, then that's an acceptable prayer. If you want to be able to give more to missions and outreach so that people will come to know Christ, then pray for material prosperity. But if you want wisdom so that you can help other people, then pray for wisdom. The Bible says if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But if you just want more wealth in order to spend it on yourself, I seriously doubt that that prayer will get answered. If you want more wisdom so you can just feel smarter than other people, that prayer might not get answered either. And if you want success or to be a leader so that you can lord it over people, your prayer is not likely to be answered. But if you want to serve others and have more talent and resources uh, in order to bless others, then pray for those things so that your life may be a blessing. Jabez very likely also remembered his ancestor Jacob, who wrestled with God, and when God told him to let him go, Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And from that point on, uh, Jacob entered into the promised land and prospered so that his descendants were, uh, blessed the whole world with unbelievable spiritual blessings. And through Jacob and his offspring, God's Messiah came into the world. See, God wants to bless us, but we have to want the blessing. 
We need to wrestle with God and not let him go until he blesses us. And the problem is that apathy has so gripped the American church that we don't spend a lot of time seeking God's blessing. We have so much already. Our plates are full. And besides, we're busy. So busy, uh, we, don't need to be, we don't think we need to be blessed with any more because blessing means responsibility. Serving God by serving people takes time, and if God gives me more, then I'm just going to have more to do, and I'd rather relax. In our own church, we've gone through a year when we have added another pastor to our staff. We've paid down an incredible amount of indebtedness on this facility. We've seen our church continue to be a blessing to so many other churches in our Michigan area of United Methodism through our 180 Turnaround Conference. We have record numbers of people being served by our food pantry and other outreach ministries, and God has been doing so many more things. I can't list them all, but all of this does no good unless we are using what we have learned to continue to expand our spiritual influence and our territory. And if what God is doing among us is not creating a new passion within us to know God better and to serve him more effectively, then all of his incredible blessings will not have done their work. If we're not closer to God this year than we were at the beginning of last year, then somehow we've missed his blessing. We need to continue to pray that God will bless us and bring new fire to our souls and new passion for God and new zeal for show, uh, serving him and a new desire to have our life be a blessing to the world. And the surest sign that we are a growing Christian is that there's within us this growing desire to have our life used by God. The thing that grieves me most about our current culture, I think, is our preoccupation with ourselves. It's all about us, isn't it? We want more, we want it faster, we want it better, we want it cheaper. Our lives become shallow and self-centered when we're worried about how we look and what we have and who might have more, and some people never have a purpose larger than themselves. Have you noticed that? So this is why Jabez prayed the second part of his prayer. Jabez prayed that God would enlarge his borders. Jabez was from the tribe of Judah. This was the ruling class among the Hebrews. And to increase his territory meant that his people would have more area to live in and he would have more people to serve as a leader. He was not thinking of himself. He was thinking about the welfare of others. A true God-ordained leader is always a servant of other people. Jabez wanted to be used by God more than he did anything else in the world. And let me ask you, is that your prayer? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Have you shared that desire with God? Is that your longing and passion inside of you to be used by God no matter what it takes? Are you living only for yourself at this moment, or do you want God to use your life in this world? Do you want to be, a, to be blessed by God so that you can be a blessing to others? that I encourage you to pray for God to enlarge your life, your sphere of influence. Ask him for something so big that you cannot possibly do it by yourself. Ask him to enlarge your territory. Surely there's more to life than making ourselves happy, and one of the things Jan and I always desired for our kids is that God would give them the desire and the spiritual gifts necessary for them to accomplish things for God in this world. And that's the prayer I pray for each of you 
that God would give us a passion for serving him and he would give us the necessary tools to carry out whatever task he lays before us. I don't want this church to be a country club. I want us to be a God's people, a people who are used, uh, being used by God in a world that needs God desperately. I want us to live for, for more than ourselves and our own interests, and I pray that our lives would be used, used up in serving God and serving the needs of others, and I want to be part of the church like that. In a time of great discouragement, God spoke through the prophet Isaiah, and he said, enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home, spare no expense. See, God wants us to see beyond our current set of circumstances. He wants us to go beyond the status quo, beyond what's comfortable. He wants to enlarge our life if we'll just join him by praying and believing for that blessing. The third thing to consider is Jabez prayed for God's hand to be upon him. See, Jabez knew that what he was praying for was bigger than what he could accomplish all by himself. He was praying for something so big that only the hand of God on his life could accomplish it. What would you pray for if you knew that you could not fail? What is God speaking about, uh, uh, to you about today which you have just been ignoring up until now? What have you been dreaming about but dismissed because you thought it was an impossible dream? I encourage you to begin to pray for the hand of God to be upon your life so that you can accomplish great things for him. Hopefully it will be something so great that when it comes to pass, everybody will say, hey, this had to be the hand of God because there's no way I could have done this all by myself. But the final part of Jabez's prayers may be the most important. Jabez prays that God will keep him from evil. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. The New King James uh, translation puts it like this, keep me from evil that I might not cause pain. It's actually kind of a play on words. Remember, his name meant pain. He had caused pain at his birth, but he didn't want to cause any more pain. He wanted his life to be a blessing. So how does this prayer of Jabez apply to us? Back in January, our district superintendent called to ask if we would consider adopting a church. Our leadership team has been talking about the possibility for more than two years. As a healthy, growing congregation, we've talked about what it would mean for us to reach out and expand our territory by unfolding a congregation that's struggling. And over the last few years, we've had several offers from our district superintendent to do just that, to be Redeemer Church in another location, and we've turned down several possibilities because we didn't sense God clearing, clearly calling us to expand in those locations for a variety of reasons, or the timing just wasn't right. But a few months ago, another opportunity to be a multi-site church emerged, and this time we are seriously exploring it. It makes sense to our strategy of helping to grow churches for a lot of reasons. And the opportunity involves St. John's First United Methodist Church. It's a congregation with a long and rich history that has been steadily in decline for the last couple of decades. But it fits us that it's in Clinton County, about 12 miles away, and we're already targeting a lot of our outreach ministries to this county. And we know people in that church and some in this congregation drive from St. John's to worship here at Redeemer, but there's more. 
their current pastor is retiring. And the district superintendent gave them three options to try to keep their doors open for the future, one of which was to be adopted by another United Methodist Church. And that's the option they chose. And they asked if it could be Redeemer. Some of their leaders have been to our 180 conference. They have a sense of our mission to connect people with the love and life of Jesus Christ, and they want to be part of it. Now, I will tell you that all of this has been unfolding very quickly, and it is not public knowledge yet, so it's a secret, okay? <laughs> yeah, like that's going to stay here. No, I'm, I'm serious. This is not really public knowledge yet, but I need to let you know where we're at. Both the leadership of this congregation and their congregation will vote on this merger sometime in the middle of May to make it official. But for now, this is information only so that you can begin to pray along with our church staff and our leadership what this will mean for our congregation. Next week, I want to tell you a little bit more about what it will mean for Redeemer Church to be in two locations and what the passion and the goal is behind a multi-site ministry. But very simply, becoming a multi-site church is based on our desire, one desire, and that is to grow the kingdom of God, to make a difference in the lives of people, not just in DeWitt, but this whole area. Our leadership team and our staff understand that in our DNA, in our culture as a congregation here, it is a desire more than anything else to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. After all, some of Jesus' final words to us are found in Mark's Gospel, the 16th chapter, where he said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. And it would be illogical for us to assume that that responsibility is intended for somebody else. After all, the focus of our church should be nothing less than sharing the message of Christ in both word and action, both because God loves the world so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. But we've hit some growth barriers here in this location. We've maximized our parking, our classroom space, our meeting space, our office space, and, and, and more. But in the short term, a satellite site will offer us a way to continue to grow while hopefully turning around the current trend of steady decline at St. John's First. If both churches ultimately agree to this, uh, this will be in place by July 1st of this summer. In the meantime, we'll be considering how to staff that location, how to provide ministry and programs and pastoral care to the folks who are part of that congregation, and we're going to need your help in that. And you can help, first of all, by praying. And you can help by offering to serve in, in this transition in some way. And you can help by continuing to give generously of all that God has already given to you so that we'll be able to fully provide for the needs of both congregations. Let me close with just a thought. You know, when I meet with a family around the end of someone's life, and I have done that so many times over the years of being a pastor, but I ask the family what they would like me, people to know about their mother or father, whoever it is. And to my amazement, no one has ever said to me, I want you to talk about how much money was in their bank account. I want you to talk about how many pairs of shoes were in their closet. They don't ask me to read a list of accomplishments or rewards or talk about all the content in their homes. What they want me to talk about was how they lived, how they loved, what meant something to them in this life, and how they made a difference. 
In fact, I can safely say that I have never met with a family where all they wanted me to do was read the balance found in their financial portfolio. I've never had somebody say, Rod, please talk about how they always put their job ahead of their family, how they were consumed with the latest gadgets, how they always had to have a new car. What people want me to talk about is how they have lived their life and the legacy that they have left for others. And when it's all said and done, people want to know how their life will be measured. What have they given their life to that really has made a difference, that matters? And that's certainly my goal in life. And whatever time God gives me to keep being a pastor, I want my life to matter. I want the measure of my life to be that I have given, that I have given my all to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. I want it to include working tirelessly and giving generously to make that happen. That's the kind of stuff that's going to matter for eternity. And my prayer is also that God will continue to bless this congregation to expand our territory. I do believe that God is in the blessing business. And he says to us today in the words of Isaiah 43, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Attempt something large enough that failure is guaranteed unless God steps in. I'm ready to take hold of that promise and do something for God. How about you? Will you join me? Let's pray. Father, thank you for every blessing in our lives. I simply pray today that you would extend our borders and our financial resources to help others in need. Give us your wisdom to manage our life, our family, our work, our relationships, our time, and lead us. Never let us stray from your path, but lead us. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.